for me, when I'm stressed out, uh, the only thing that makes me feel better is is action. You know, taking steps to propel this goal forward. If I just sit around thinking, it, it just gets worse and worse. But, and I think that is what has led to to my success is just never taking a moment to stop and stew. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art in the creative process. I'm your host, Ernest. In today's episode, I have the chance to talk to the amazing Eric Hagen. Eric is an artist currently based in Washington, D.C., who creates intricate, raw touch-like images. Highly detailed and often monochromatic, his work contains an overlapping of multitude of faces that allow the viewer to reflect upon their own thoughts and feelings of the work. Perfect. So I'll start where I start with everybody, which is tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Yeah. Hi. Um, my name is Eric Hagen. Uh, I'm an artist. Um, I've been a full time artist for almost three years now, and um, I but I've been making art since I was you know could barely walk. Um, I live in Washington D.C. That's where I mainly operate, uh, but I'm from upstate New York. So did you study art or are you self-taught? Um, I'm self-taught uh, with art. I, I went to college for creative writing. Um, I took a couple art classes there, but uh, I didn't pursue it there. Um, when I went to college, I was mainly intended to be a writer, but I just uh-huh. naturally made art the entire time. So, uh-huh. um, But I come... I come from a family of art teachers. My mom was an art teacher. So what are your thoughts on art education? Do you think it's important for an artist to have a degree? I mean, I'm I'm a proponent of education for education's sake. I, I don't think there's any negative drawback, well, unless you're an American and have the debt that I have. But yeah. <laughs> I think all education is good. Um, I don't think it's a, a requirement for pursuing a career in the art. Um, in fact, uh, most of the people I know who received an education in art did not take the route of of being an independent agent and putting themselves out there. And I've been told that that it's kind of a, a deterrent. I think for a lot of people, it becomes this echo chamber of like we're all here on this campus trying to do the same thing. And I think it it, it can be discouraging for a lot of people. You know, it takes a little. Uh, a little bit of like you know ignorant brashness to kind of just jump into it blindly yeah because i think sometimes it becomes almost like a competition of who creates the best work as opposed to like celebrating everybody's differences and kind of giving people the right direction they need because the problem with like an educational system for the most part is that you're adhering to a curriculum as opposed to giving people you know open feedback and kind of nurturing their talent exactly yeah and it you know it it's it's tricky it's definitely scary to hmm. to be an artist and i think you you see enough people who have failed around you you're you're yeah. gonna take the safe route yeah that's very true that's very very true so what is the biggest challenge of being an artist um personally uh you know definitely financial um when you start uh i find myself over the past couple of years, I've I've had you know months with nothing, and then 
months where it all just comes down in a deluge of sales and it it's that's that's the event that will get me through the next you know dry period of of stressing out about rent and and you know loan payments and all that kind of thing um but making the art is is not an issue the issue is is keeping that stress from bleeding into the work or um unless you want to explore it you know which i think it it happens with my work i think a lot of that that stress has bled into it so how do you keep motivated when maybe you're having a month where like you're just not making that many sales or no sales um for me when i'm stressed out uh the only thing that makes me feel better is is action you know taking yeah. steps to propel this goal forward um if i just sit around thinking it, it just gets worse and worse but and i think that is what has led to to my success is just never taking a moment to stop and stew but do you think that you can create too much work do you think you can overwork yourself <laughs> yes i do i do um especially when it if you're just pushing yourself to be productive um the work itself can be contrived um mm. rather than you know riding this current of creativity or inspiration that is has come into you it's it's like you're just you're just grinding it out like a 9 to 5 yeah um and that is m my worst work is when i just like make something because i feel like i need to yeah, yeah so yeah. well go ahead yeah, but I say, yeah, because I think the, the problem is that I see a lot of artists and I know a lot of artists who just keep creating work and keep creating work, but they don't have to do with that work. And it's great to have, you know, a lot of work on display in a great portfolio, but it's like marketing is just as important as the work itself. Knowing where that work's going is just as important as the work is itself. So I think it's a huge tricky balance of like trying to have the quantity to sell, but also the quality to actually sell. Exactly, yeah. Um... I find when if if I'm if I'm making bad art, I'll just stop and I'll redirect, you know, to marketing or networking yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I think that's actually a really smart tactic because the problem is that once like anything I like, when you get bored of one thing or you feel yourself being kind of less attracted or pulled away from a certain thing, you stop and try something else. Or you stop and distract yourself with something else that's gonna be hopefully just as, as positive and important to you as whatever else you're doing. So I think it's a right. great way to look at it, actually. I think more artists should probably take a leaf out of your book and actually think a little bit more about every aspect of art other than just the actual art itself. Because art, the creation of the work is only a small part of being an artist. And actually, they're kind of like, what are the different hats do you have to wear as an artist? Um, you know, uh, you can't do it these days without social media. That's mm. huge. Um, so I'm, I find myself being my social media manager my my sales team um networking is huge i pretty much every opportunity i've ever gotten has just been from just putting myself out there i've sent thousands of emails i've i've reached out to every single gallery like in multiple cities you know it's there's a there's a lot of that you have to keep motivating yourself maintaining a healthy lifestyle i think is critical to being successful as an artist and you know it can kind of suck when you have to like motivate yourself to you know exercise and go to sleep early because it's not like the sexy lifestyle of an artist people take care you know yeah no it's true it's a very i think it's not something that people don't talk about often enough because you're right it's like 
you have to give yourself working hours even though you don't have like you know your your own boss you have to make sure that you're working yeah. within a you know within certain hours or your the work is being done because nobody else is going to do it if you're not doing it yeah so for my myself um it is my career so 8 mm. to 5 p.m uh monday through friday it's just i can't not be working towards this yeah. goal so that's great and do you do all of your marketing and all of your sales within that time as well yeah um because <clears throat> i i i have drawn sometimes if i'm inspired i can i can draw for 10 12 hours a day oh. but like you know if i if i can get four hours you know that's that's good and then the rest of the day i'll allocate towards um writing or networking marketing that's so cool actually i feel like I, that's something i should talk more about is like the structure of people's day in terms of being an artist because if you don't just sit around and create all day that's just not the way it works because you've yeah. got that's a really interesting way of looking at it the fact you give yourself like a shift is really cool actually I think that's such a good idea such a good idea it's also because like i'm the only full-time artist like i think i interact with on a daily basis mm. so it's like yeah. i, I want to still have friends and uh of course family, you know <laughs> oh yeah of course so. yeah you still exist your life still exists outside of the art making as well which is um also another good point actually because you still have a family you still have people you want to go to you still want to socialize you still want to have you know to do things and have a life and go on holiday you know there's the things you want to do with yourself it's not just about growing art constantly for some people it is but not everybody is yeah from in uh in my thinking about it it's like you you're entering into a 40-year marathon and and you're not just gonna hit the finish line by sprinting there like you need Absolutely. you need a stable life and you need to just keep going even when things are rough things are not looking good you just little by little you get there it's true you really do have to pace yourself as well because i think a lot of people nowadays want success instantly and the problem with that is that like as much as that might seem really good that would also defeat the purpose of you creating work and and having a long career because if you had all this success tomorrow you wouldn't have anything else to strive for exactly it's like like as much as it's cliche to say like the journey is always just as rewarding as the actual successful the successful goals you um you achieve along the way like it really is because the whole point is that like you're living the life that you want to live in a way that's positive to you as yeah. opposed to just having everything you want straight away it's you know it's like winning the lottery it's always seems like a great idea but in reality i don't think it'd be as enjoyable as, as it seems it's yeah i mean it's what do you do after that which yeah. is you know the cold part of getting <laughs> achieving your, your dreams you know like yeah. working towards something is is almost more fulfilling than even yeah. getting there oh Absolutely, because the whole point is that you learn, you know, you learn on the journey of getting to a certain goal, as opposed to like if you had that goal straight away, you just don't really learn anything and you just and you'll never be satisfied. There'll always be something else you want to do and another goal you haven't achieved. And it can actually be quite miserable, I think, actually, in many ways. Mm-hmm. So I also think uh finding success too early can be a curse to a lot of young mm-hmm. artists, especially, you know, in the days of TikTok and yes. and stuff like there's there's time if i if i became super famous when i was 20 years old like my art like i don't even want to look at it right now like the art i was making back then and like i needed i needed time to develop and yes and and continue so like i i think i might have been just like stuck in that in that time frame and all the baggage that age that is such a good point as well because the work you produce now is not going to be the same kind of work you produced back then 
you know you have no. a lot more life experience you have a lot more things you, you're probably thinking about and you have a lot more kind of intention with the work because you've got a family to support you've got yourself to support life is very different now and i think that's yeah. actually a really good point this idea of people giving themselves <clears throat> time to kind of like not necessarily find themselves but kind of understand themselves i think i think that's actually quite important a lot of older artists i speak to they've had careers for like decades and there's a reason for that like whereas an artist i speak to who are like maybe just starting out it's fun to watch them kind of you know be excited and to grow but it's like you're right the way you're creating is it's going to be so different in a year's time rather than 10 years time so it's like yeah. enjoy what you're doing now what you're doing it because you don't know how things are going to change yeah every every two years i look back on the the things that i made and it's i just find it all repulsive so <laughs> that's to me how i validate that i'm moving forward yeah because also like your as personal interview last the other week because the interview has come up for you said like with her own work as well she was like when i look back on it i don't necessarily like it but it makes me realize that my tastes have changed in a good way and that mm -hmm. kind of like, my eye has changed and it's a good way to look at it like you realize you've actually changed yourself from what you actually like yourself so it's a great way to look at it in terms of realizing your own growth as an artist yeah you you can't separate the artist's life from from the work and mm. the artist's life will always bleed into the work oh yeah and and if you're if you've you know lived in a bubble or or haven't faced certain things like you can't make truly authentic art yeah that's very true so at what point did you feel comfortable calling yourself an artist um it was probably when i when i got back from the peace corps mm. um uh i was in zambia from when i was 23 till i was 26 and then i i came back to america and i was like i am i am an artist i, I like declared it to mm. everyone much to the horror of my family um and uh i was like this is what i will do no matter what i moved to dc with uh with my girlfriend jess and i tried for a while ran out of money Got a job as a landscaper, did that for a while, quit that job, and I've been here ever since. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, but that's interesting because you tried it and it failed. It didn't go, well, it didn't fail. It just didn't work out the way you expected it to work out. And then you got a nine to five or got a normal job. And you were like, actually, you know what? Actually, this is my calling. This is what I need to do. And I don't mm -hmm. care if I have to struggle or I have to, you know, make ends meet in various ways to get to this kind of goal. And I, I respect that a lot. So a lot of times people try and they and they don't necessarily work out and they're like, oh no, I'm gonna like leave it. And they kind of abandon the dream. Um and I like the yeah. fact that you actually picked it back up and you were like, actually no, you know what, this is what I want to do. And I, like like kind of like how did you know that this is what you wanted to do is what I'm kind of curious about. I just always I think I always knew as a kid. Um but when I was uh in the Peace Corps, I lived without, you know, electricity. I didn't have the internet. Um so there was just like three years of like no screens um, cool. so i just spent a lot of time thinking you know about mm. my life what i would do after this and um yeah so when i when i got back to america it was it was all or nothing um and when i when i did have to get a job i was i was afraid of getting comfortable um i was afraid of you know just getting comfortable in that job and letting the years roll by and being like, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll work on this, you know, goal of mine on the weekends or whatever. So I picked the gnarliest, harshest job I could do just like, and I picked a job that had four 10 hour days and uh, three days off. So I could, you know, dedicate at least a little bigger chunk of the week towards this goal. I had no life 
the whole time I was doing this. Uh, as soon as I could get out, I did. So that's really interesting, actually. And also the idea of having no screens, that's really interesting. I do often wonder, like, how much more would get done in society if you weren't so distracted all the time? Mm-hmm. Like, because the one thing about art and artists and creating art is that you're, you're not looking at a screen whilst you're creating work. You're kind of detached, yeah. for the most part, from any kind of outside influence, other than obviously like a podcast or whatever, or music but you're concentrating on something for a long period of time. I feel like there's a huge beauty in that because we were losing that a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, definitely like your perception of time greatly changes. Um, yeah, that three years felt like 10 years in, in a way, but it also felt like a week. You know, it was strange. Yeah, that is strange. But that's actually really interesting though. I do, I really do wonder how that's affected I guess, yeah, not just your work, but the way you think about things. And also the fact that because you've been without screens for like three years or the internet or electricity even, like the way you value things in your life is so different to other people now because you've been without it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's really interesting to me on like a psychological level because it's like, you know, we take a lot of things for granted, but when we don't have them, we moan that we don't have them, but we don't realize that there are other people in the world who don't already have them in the first place. Yeah. But then now you have them, you probably appreciate things a lot more than a lot of people do because you know what it's like to not have it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's just that just fascinates me on a psychological level. I'm like, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, that's really interesting to me. Um, but anyway, let's talk about your work. That's what we're here today. So, yeah. uh, can you please describe your work for those who may not have seen it? Um, I think in your notes you you called it a like a Rorschach test for for yes. people. Um, that is kind of what I go for. Um. My my images are these super dense figures. Uh, they're they're really like portraits, but they're made of hundreds of faces that are like woven in and out of each other, mm-hmm. um, interlaid and and kind of pieced together like a mosaic. And uh, the purpose of this is to create a, a sort of like a psychological mirror, because um, every face contains you know. Uh, certain emotions or or reactions that you know the human brain will decipher so when you have so many opposing things overlaying people's projections are often what what come to the forefront which is what i'm i'm trying to do so i'm trying to create something that people see that is a reflection of them that's a really interesting way to look at your work that's a very interesting one. And it kind of makes a lot of sense having spoken to you so far. Like, is there any particular key theme that you're actually looking at, or is it just psychological as a whole? Um, that's more of like uh, the technique itself. Um, mm-hmm. Every piece it does have, you know, a broader theme that I try to channel into it. Um, but... Yeah, overall, like the structure of the piece is is intended to be a mirror in a way. Mm. So, how intentional is the ambiguity in your work? Ambiguity, um, I think that's also critical in in coaxing people to self reflect um, because it makes them look a little closer, it makes them consider, it makes them ponder. Um, and yeah, I think I think if you if you just if it, if the art piece is like this is the image this is what it's about think about that thing i think a little bit of self discovery is lost for the viewer hmm. um so 
I have, you know, inner meetings to these pieces that are, are for me, but not every, everybody's going to, going to see that. And I do like hearing what people see and what, how it makes them feel. Cause it's, it's different between every person. And that's what I, what's what I aim to do. But do you ever worry that your work could be too ambiguous or it could be like too busy, like visually? Yes, um, definitely. Especially in, you know, since I primarily get sales through social media, a lot of people just scroll through this thing, you know, they give it two seconds, but it took 50 hours to draw and you kind of need to look closer to to see what's going on. So if it's too busy, if it's too ambiguous, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, if it could mean anything, it means nothing, which is a, hmm. a sentence we learned in creative writing uh, when I was in college. But yeah, it's 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 a tricky balance where you want to like coax people's, um, it, uh, what's the word? You you want to you want to like titillate their sense of mystery to make them kind of step closer, but if you if you're too if it's too loose they're just going to walk away yeah because the thing is that you're right if you have a lot of yourselves through social media people are looking at your work on a screen and it's like your work is so busy and so detailed like you need to kind of see it not necessarily in the flesh but you need to see close-ups you need to understand like how much detail is in that work and do you ever feel mm-hmm. like the like a screen format or like the size of obviously phone screens just doesn't do your work enough justice yes yeah, it's it's a it's something I struggle with um, because when I'm when I'm making the art, my nose is an inch from the paper. Yeah, and so this is this is my perspective of the art. But yeah, I that's I really cherish in person shows. That's why I hmm. aggressively go to them. Even even if I find so much more success with social media, it's still yeah. important to me as an artist to show in person. Like as somebody who creates such detailed work, like how do you try to make the viewer understand like the level of detail? Because I think it can be hard because you can only really show, you know, close-ups, time lapses, but you know, it's kind of hard to actually explain or kind of really actually showcase the amount of detail. Cause there's a lot of, it's hard even to explain. Like there's a lot of detail in your work. It's like they're very, very, very complex. Well, well, something that I like to do is like, I don't want it all to be deciphered in one sitting or, or digested. Like I want to create these things that you put on the wall of your house. And every day when you walk by it, you see something new. It just generates like mm. a new experience okay. every day. So I think that is the benefit of having, you know, something that is hyper dense and hyper detailed. Um, because, you know, I don't, I don't see art as just this linear, like theme presented done you know it's like that's just a meme in a way you know yeah not to not to talk smack about all art (laughs) yeah no that's what i mean because you know you you want your art to have a a life and existence once it's on somebody's wall other than just it's being there yeah 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 so you have a very particular style and it's taking a while to develop like talk us a bit through your style and how you actually managed to kind of come up with the idea and develop it. And also like, is it important for us to have a style? Yeah. I actually remember the exact moment um, when my style was born, I was 13 years old. I was in art class. And when I was that age, I I really wanted to be a cartoonist. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was just drawing this cartoon and I realized that 
it just like it didn't give me anything like I, I felt no excitement so I just started letting my hand just move and it became automatic and I just started like you know piecing these faces together and then I, after a while I was like oh it looks kind of interesting but like in that moment I had this sensation that like I was really onto something and it it just like it gave me goosebumps it was like an electric bolt went through my body and I was like whoa this is you know this is what making art is supposed to feel like and I I became obsessed with it and I've never deviated from the style because uh -huh. it's just been a compulsion to continue to explore and develop it um so like I've never deviated from the style but the style has evolved quite a bit just even even over even year to year it's it's significant but yeah it's it's a compulsion it's just something that I need to do do you ever worry though about repetition? I like creating maybe like not the same image. Obviously, you wouldn't create the same image, but your image is looking too similar. Yeah, I I, th I think that is a an issue that a lot of artists deal with, especially if they gain you know fame for one particular style. They kind of become yeah. pulled into it, and you know it it loses excitement. Um, but the styles, it's I mean I'm. I plan to keep making it until it stops being exciting. Um, but yeah, uh, sometimes it, it does feel repetitive, um, but that's usually, if it does, I, I put it down and I go do something else. Hmm. And, and you come back to it. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously, as long as it's exciting for you as the creator, then, you know, not that it shouldn't really matter to anybody else because obviously it's your career. It definitely does. But it's also like it shouldn't really matter because you're the one creating the work and you're finding meaning and joy from it. So it's great. But as somebody who does, you know, who is making a living out of it, who is, you know, it's their career. Like, I do wonder how you do deal with the idea of like the repetition and kind of like when you go back to it after having left it, do you consciously make a decision to make things different or do you just go back to doing what you did before? Um, you know, it's, it's a push and pull. Like sometimes I feel compelled to switch it up, but honestly, if I do that, it's, it's more for like, you know, the public's perception of my work more than my own perception of my work. So huh. there's a, there's a struggle there. Um, because it, it is a tricky thing when you, when you start living off your art and you start having to think about the public's perception and yeah. walk this tightrope between, you know, what you think is good and what you think is going to sell. Yeah. And when you're a little kid, you, when you're making art is you're making art because it's, you know, it's playing, it feels good and it's fun. And, uh, I try not to lose that, but you know, these grown up things, they, they bleed into your work, you know, rent and, and bills and the, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's also, it's like you, you have to walk that tightrope of like, who am I creating the work for? Is it for yourself or is it for other people? Yeah, and exactly. it becomes it becomes a huge um yeah, I guess as you said, like question put of like you have to kind of do a lot of evaluating and assessing and kind of figuring out like how you are creating work that is, you know, gonna sell. You need mm -hmm. it to sell, but also that yeah. is gonna be fulfilling for you because at the end of the day, like you you know, you always hit a wall at some point. You know, there's only so much of one thing you can do. And I'm kind of curious, like, what has been like the biggest change in your style that might have surprised even yourself? Um 
biggest change in my style um it'd probably be when it i i i definitely got more abstract as the years went on um when i was a teenager and i was first developing the style it was like it was like fully formed little heads just pieced together next to each other kind of um like polka dots even <laughs> um but when i was maybe in my 20s i figured out how to weave them together you know like for instance like an eyebrow will also be a mouth a nose will also be a chin that kind of thing so hmm. it it allowed me to to weave and and achieve this like um this shifting perspective that you know it's it's honestly hard to like focus your eye on hmm. um i think when i when i got to that i was like ooh that's that's interesting um yeah. See, that is interesting because it's almost very like optical illusion. Like, whereas if you look at one thing, you think what, what you think you're looking at is something very different to also something else it could be looking at. And I think I like that. I like this idea that not only is your work visually busy, but it's busy for a reason. It's like your work is very intentional. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of interesting to me. You're not creating work just to create work because it's going to look cool. It's like, well, actually, there's a reason that you put every line and every face in, in this particular piece of work in a certain way yeah I, I every every mark is highly intentional it takes a very long time absolutely you can tell it does and that's the interesting thing and I, and I kind of worry the fact that that is lost on people when they see your work on social media and they just scroll through it when they don't realize oh actually this is taking 50 hours not just yeah. you know it's a few lines on a piece of paper it's actually like someone's dedicated their time to this which is i think i think it's about art in general which is why i do this is like i think people gloss over the fact that that people are making things and it's not just a case of oh this looks pretty or this is good or this is bad it's a case of like someone's taking their time to create this let's explore it as opposed to being like oh this is nice um i think with somebody like yourself because your work is so detailed i do i personally do worry like are people going to understand the effort that's gone into this so i don't know i think that's a tricky line to to balance as well i think i think most people won't understand but the few people, the people who you want to understand will. And mm. that's, those are the people that I, I try to reach the people that, you know, take a step closer and look at life and examine internally. And that is, is yeah. kind of what my art is about, you know? Yeah, I guess you're right. Like your audience will kind of uh, reveal themselves to you in that sense. So like they'll step forward because you'll understand from the engagement you have or the conversations you have with people who's actually interested in your work and who just thinks it looks nice. Mm-hmm. Because I think, yeah, because, and actually, I guess there's a question to ask you that I didn't put on this list, but like, is creating a beautiful image important to you? It is. Um, it is. But that's just one, one avenue that you can make. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's important to me, but there's also other things I want, I, I would prefer to achieve with a, with a work of art, you know, mainly moving someone emotionally or, or, inspiring them but i also want it to be you know beauty because i i think it's even the simplest art if if it adds beauty into the world it's a good thing yeah even if it's a kid's drawing on a on a, on a fridge it's it's a good oh. thing for the world. so a lot of your work not all but a lot of it is monochromatic like is there a particular yeah. reason for that um I, I find that I'm able to achieve a lever, level of complexity um, higher with with black and white um, just because, you know, color tends to 
it's it siphons your eye to it, you know. Mm. So it's it's just a stylistic change, and I've been really into mixing both now styles. Hmm. Yeah, because I think it's really interesting because you're right. It it gives the work. The thing with black and white and, and creating monochromatic work, it gives the image a sense of both 3D ness and also flatness at the same time. Yeah. Depending on where, depending obviously like shading and where you draw the lines and you know the angles at which the faces are, it kind of presents the work both as yeah, as like flat and dimensional at the same time. Like, is that something you ever think about? Yes, absolutely. Like it's it's like the sensation of if you're you have a bird's eye view down at a pyramid, hmm. it can either go in or it can go out depending yeah. on what your brain is seeing. Yeah. And that's actually interesting because like obviously your work is very much in a way bird's eye view. But also at the same yeah. time, it's not. You know, it's like one face might be facing one direction, but another might be facing a completely different direction. And it's like so yeah. like, you know, where's the center point of that image? Right. It's an anti-focal point. Hmm. Yeah, like that's a really interesting way to look at it actually and to kind of think about your work in terms of like like who is the viewer in your work. Right. You know. And that's just another thing that allows people to see something unique for themselves. So your work is portraiture. I guess I guess you could argue it's portraiture. But like yeah. how much do you consider the characters in the work? Like are they certain kind of people? Are they based on people? Or is it just from your imagination? They're um a lot of I mean mostly me. They're mostly myself, ah. but they're also you know, like an emotional reflection to the world, um, to history, to certain topics. Um, whenever I'm working on a piece, I like to focus on like one one topic. So I'll like listen to music or podcasts or history lessons about that topic and just let it bleed into the piece. Mm -hmm. um, and just see see what happens. But it's simultaneously my reflection like these faces are my reaction to this information does that make sense ah so your work is almost like a response to what you're listening to yes yeah it's uh it's it's automatic art so i, I try to channel channel <clears throat> while i'm making these topics ah. and they manifest themselves organically that's interesting. That's a really interesting way to consider not just the work itself, but just art making itself and mark making itself in mm -hmm. terms of like, how do you let your external influences or what you're listening to currently bleed into the work without it being a obvious and be also like about that topic specifically. That's right. actually a really interesting way of doing it actually. And the idea that like the faces are different like reactions, like that's such a cool idea. That's a really interesting idea actually. Thank um, you. Because it yeah, means that, yeah, so I was going to say, because it means as the artist, like your work is then extremely personal. And like you can go back and look at a piece of work and be like, oh, I remember what I was listening to. I remember what I was reacting to when I created this particular face or that particular face. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I, I consider how I make my art, it's like part seance, part surgical operation, where I'm, hmm. I'm so hyper focused on the material, but my mind is, you know, channeling this energy that I. I am able to achieve for a certain amount of time. That's like a, witch doctor. a cool way of putting it, actually. That's such a cool way. Because you're right, and it's kind of this really interesting blend of of like really good technical precision and also just kind of letting yourself go at the same time. Right. And mm -hmm. I think that's you often see that 
like a similar technique with like splatter art or just mark mm-hmm. making and stuff. But I'm few people do it is in in a tight way, you know. Yeah. Um, because I think it's hard to you know stay hyper focused while channeling channeling you know mm-hmm. a certain energy. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Your work it doesn't necessarily have a looseness about it, but I guess in many ways that's also what's interesting about the fact that you when you're creating it there's a looseness in, on your part but the actual final result itself seems very 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 kind of contrived and not contrived but very considered because it's very mm-hmm. like just like detailed and specific and every line as you said is intentional yet the way it's created isn't always that it's kind of like a really interesting um almost like an oxymoron i think in a way like yeah the way it's created versus the actual image itself that's really interesting that's really fascinating that process Thank you. So actually, I'm kind of curious about the intention of an image in terms of like, what is the starting point for an image? The starting point is always one tiny face in the center. Um, and so like the the seance part of the of the piece is is very fast. It's very loose. Um, so I'll use my a, like a 0.2 marker and I just draw these faces really, really fast and just like there's a point where I, I run out of, you know, creative juice and then like my brain isn't able to make faces, but <laughs> I don't know exactly when to tell. And, um, once, so I'll like have this quick spasm of, of mapping out what the piece is going to look like. And then I go to the technical, you know, the laborious part where it's just like dozens of hours of filling it and making it look mm. nice. And, ah, see, so, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting that you like so you so it's basically kind of start off improvising then you map then it goes intentional and then it's like that's really interesting way to to create as opposed to being like okay from the start i know exactly what i'm doing it's going to be like this it's going to be like that but i also think Mm -hmm. that's interesting the fact that you map it out first like why do you map it out would you never just kind of freestyle well it is freestyle but it it's like I don't use pencil or anything. It's just, it's just marker. So ah. everything is final in that way, but oh yeah, I see. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm just kind of flow. It's like a flow state hmm. until I can't. And then I, and then I fill it and then I, I step back, I look at the piece and I, and it's kind of like a, like how a bird builds its nest where like it'll put a twig here and then be like, Oh, that's kind of out of balance. Let me put a twig here. Like then it builds out from the center like that. And after about 40, 50 hours, I have a piece that I feel is, is finished. But I said, but when do you know a piece is finished or when do you feel like a piece is finished? Purely, purely instinctual, just Mm. completely intuitive. And when I finish a piece and I'm, I convince myself to stop fussing with it. I'll write my signature on the piece and there's no arguing there. It's done. (laughs) And that's like the sale, the final sale exactly yeah have you ever looked back at a piece of work and been like oh actually i've signed it but it's not actually finished yes <laughs> and, and do you ever go back and change it or do you i'm, I'm leaving it now never never oh wow no i <laughs> i think i think it's a trap for artists to be obsessed with this concept of making something perfect hmm. because it, it's impossible and you know sometimes if a piece isn't you know everything you want it to be like it, it was just practice then so you just move on with your life. 
yeah that's a that's actually a really positive way to think about things as opposed to being caught up in the fact that things aren't going the way you want them to go or they're not as you said like perfect yeah yeah i think i think that is something that maybe is comes from a more traditional art education like you're you see all these rembrandts and these these da vinci's and stuff and and i think that concept of perfection as art is kind of ground into a lot of people's heads and they you know i don't know nothing is perfect there's no perfect i think also because you know creating like a perfect rendering of say like a seascape or of a person it's a huge technical achievement i think because mm-hmm. of that people want to be kind of um what's the word they want to be uh revered because they've got a skill that other people don't always have and i think that's probably where the perfection comes into a lot of people's work absolutely um, but then there are a lot of artists who are quite the opposite who don't want their work to be perfect so they'll be like you know maybe more of like an abstract seascape artist or more of an abject portrait artist and personally for me that's a route that i personally prefer just because it's nice to see people deconstructing imagery as opposed to making it perfect um right. because you know if i want to see if you want to see a really nice seascape we'll go to the sea you know that kind of thing um right but yeah. yeah absolutely i mean it's it's the dynamic that a lot of artists probably had it with the rise of the camera and mm. it's the same thing we're dealing now with, you know, the rise of AI. Yeah. So you can just you can just instantly create these these, these things you want to see. Um, but yeah, I think the imperfect the imperfection is is where the humanity of the artist comes in, mm. and I think it it gives you know an air of authenticity to the piece that I I think people will start to crave, you know, because not you. Nobody wants everything to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what is your opinion on AI art? And how do you think it's going to affect like the art industry? <laughs> um, my my opinion on AI art is it, it definitely freaked me out when I first saw it. Um, but my main issue with it is that art is the thing that guides society and society shapes itself around art. And if you have something without human intentionality guiding art, you're having something without human intentionality guiding civilization and what that civilization's morals are and and how to reflect it. And it it becomes a cart leading the donkey scenario. And I think people need to consider a little bit more about, you know, what, what they want society to reflect. That's a really interesting way of putting it, actually. I've never thought about it like that, actually. But it's a really good point. It's a really good point, actually. Because, like, you know, yeah. Well, just like, I, I love history. And um, while, I'm, while I'm drawing, I'm always listening to history. But, like, there's a, there's a current of the stories that we tell people turning into real historical events. Like, the Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey. Like, that guided a lot of geopolitical events just because of people, you know, trying to emulate it. Like hmm. there's no Alexander the Great without Achilles and there's no Alexander, the, there's no, you know, Hitler without Alexander the Great. Like these things have reverberations, good and awful. Um, so it's, uh, art does shape humanity in a, like a, in a, 
magnitude that we can't even understand sometimes, even if it's little by little. That's always put it because art is obviously um, and always the reflection of the person creating the work. So if somebody is creating the work without the human intervention, yeah. the work itself is going to be quite hollow. It's not going to be about anything that's been experienced. It's about things that have been found um, exactly. online through other people's experiences. It's like a it's like a secondary existence almost, as opposed to being like a lived experience. Exactly, and art is a lived experience. Every every piece of art has the life of the artist in it. Mm, of course, and I think hollow is a good way to put AI art. Yes, yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. Like, it looks fascinating and it's cool for now. Yeah. But I feel like it all kind of looks very similar, and I feel like the problem is that it's not quite. The problem is not it's not perfect. It's not like you know, you put you know, uh, Wes into Dali and you come out with a beautifully rendered portrait. And I think mm -hmm. that's also the issue is that it's not perfect, but it shouldn't be perfect. And because people want it to be perfect, it can't be perfect. It's it's, a, it's like a strange, weird kind of like vicious cycle loop thing where it's paradox, where it's like it's digitally generated. It's not going to be like what a human can do, but yet people want it to be like that. Just do it right. yourself if you want it done. Simple as. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people say that, like, you know, AI is good for people who never were able to make art. But, you know, I I, I disagree with that. Like, yeah. everyone can make art, you know. Yeah. It's just... yeah how you define it is different yeah yeah it's like you know you apply yourself like everything else in life but like you apply yourself you try your practice you, mm -hmm. you keep going at it whether you're good at it or not it's not really for you to decide it's probably more for other people to decide but the idea yeah. is that you you do it and if you're not willing to put the time and effort in then you kind of you're not going to be an artist then are you um, and i i think i mean when people are you know, playing around with AI, I think they, they're tasting a little bit of what a lot of artists get is like, you know, that rush of creativity. And it's like, you always had that inside you, you just believed that you didn't and, mm. or maybe society told you that you didn't or, but yeah. I, I believe every human being is capable of creativity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really interesting way to put it. It's a really good outlook on AI, I think, actually. Very different to a lot of artists I've spoken to for sure. Yeah. yeah. At first I was angry and then I was in despair. <laughs> and then uh, the more I think about it, the more I, I don't know, I, I'm at peace with it. I think people are going to want authentic art made by human beings once mm. AI gets stale, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think in many ways it already has because it's like, we know it exists and we're like, okay, cool. But I think, I think the only problem now is that it's going to have people questioning what they're looking at, how real what they're looking at is real. Yeah, I think that's particularly on social media. I think that's the issue we're going to have is that like if somebody has spent fifty hours creating like a really nice drawing or a really beautiful painting, people are going to be like, "Oh, is that just where's the generator, or is that actually made by hand?" I think yeah, that's I where that. I think that's where the issue is going to lie. I think nowadays is that people who are not particularly educated on art won't know the difference, or they won't think about the difference, or they won't probably won't care about the difference either. Yeah, but um, I think it might it might end up being like. Kind of like when movies became way too heavily laden with CGI, you know, like uh, after 30 Marvel movies, it's like, I just want, I just want like a movie with good dialogue, good writing, yeah. like you know, people yeah. will crave authentic things. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about your creative process. Like, do you okay. have any routines that you do to help you focus on creating your work? Yeah, my routines 
<laughs> actually pretty intense. Um, uh, I, I used to have, uh, an issue with, with drugs and alcohol. And, um, when I became an artist, I, I switched to more healthier habits. Um, so I, I also have, um, ADHD, so I have to manage it without medicine because, you know, I had an issue with the medicine. Uh -huh. So I, I wake up, I, I run marathons. I'm running a marathon on oh, Sunday. Wow. I have so much respect for that. Like that is not easy to do because you're holding yourself accountable on many levels. Cause it's not just, right. you know, having a nice, good lifestyle and it's not being healthy. It's also like, you're also writing a novel. You're also an artist. You're also doing, you know, many different things that require a lot of different areas of expertise and other different skills. And I, I have mm -hmm. a lot of respect for that. Also, it's kind of cool. Cause you said when you're young, you want to be a writer and you are. Like that's yeah. also great. That's I think that's absolutely brilliant because the fact that even though your art is going very well and you're finding success, you're not still giving up on other options and other kind of uh, ways of of um, enjoyment and dreams and goals you have. I think that's incredibly good. I think that's so good. Thank you. Yeah, it was actually um, I I was just kind of uh, I don't know, just discouraged for about ten years with writing, and when I turned 30 I was like you know I'm just gonna I don't care if I'm good or bad I'm just gonna chip away at this and it's that's still in the stage where my drawing was when I was a kid where it's like I'm doing this just for the pure fun of creativity like there's no monetary consideration so it's like mm -hmm. I'm just making for the sake of making and I'm enjoying it and yeah just little by little it, it turned into a whole book so that's hopefully so editing in six months but also the cool thing about that is that because with the art you've been through this whole process first before where you're yeah. doing something for fun it's cool it's interesting and then you're like oh actually now this is your career right with the writing i think it's going to be a lot not necessarily easier but you know what you're doing with it now because it's like okay cool and also it's great yeah. that you still have things you want to do just for fun because i think the one thing i say to a lot of people is this you should always have one thing you do just for the pleasure of doing it that doesn't involve you having to make money because we're living in a society that tells you if you're not making money from something, then it's worthless. And that's not, that's never the case. I right. always feel like that you need to be doing something, something creative, preferably that is bringing you just joy just for the sake of doing it, because that's where you're going to understand yourself and discover yourself. Otherwise, yes. if you're making money off everything you do constantly, which yeah, is a great lifestyle, you're going to get burnt out because you've got to keep an eye on everything and everything becomes work. I feel like the yeah. problem is that we don't have enough play, particularly as adults. And I think, you know, you have to maintain a really good balance of playing and working, you know, without destroying yourself or, uh, you know, negatively affecting your life. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, when I was doing a lot of drugs and, and stuff, like, I, I thought that was, like, the key to productivity and creation. Mm. But, like, it wasn't. It was the, it was the worst art I ever made. It was... Mm worst writing i ever made you know when i was when i was on that stuff but yeah the, it's you, you i came to the conclusion that the only way to do it is the hard way and yeah oh i just i need to stick to this routine i think that's a, also a good point though because i think a lot of people sometimes feel like you have to be like in a certain mind state to create or you know you have to be not even under the influence but you have to be um you have to have like a certain lifestyle or you have to be sad to create or, you know, the best work gets created from, you know, like uh, maybe traumatic memories or whatever. And I feel like that's not always the case. 
that obviously yeah. will play a part. Your life will always play a part in your work. But I think yeah. having a a routine that you're happy with and having a way of living that you're happy with and just being like a generally happy person will yeah. I think to be the best thing you you know you could have for your art because you're gonna want want to create. It's not like yeah. you have to feel like you need to create to be in a you need to be in a certain state to create. You want to create at any point because you're happy with the way you're living, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I, I think it's it's really damaging this proliferation of the the this you know mentally disturbed artist mm. is like, you know, that's the true artist. I, I think a lot of young young people see that and they, they think that like they need to introduce chaos into their life to yeah. validate themselves as an artist and it the thing is like the way i see it is kind of it's kind of brutal but it's like other people deal with these same issues of like drug addiction and trauma and, and mental illness and it's like but they don't have a purpose necessarily and myself i do have a purpose that i gave myself and i can either despair you know alongside these people or i can work to you know improve my life hmm. and yeah. and it's it's i think it's it's damaging for people like when i was younger i used to think Russ thompson was the coolest dude in the world but he was kind of a scumbag <laughs> like, like he was just pure chaos and it's like drugs and alcohol they just they don't make you better at, at art and it, it, it that feeling that you get when you're making art like on drugs it's it's a poor synthesization of of the creativity that was already inside you you just mm. you just need to learn how to access it yeah and then with a healthier attitude and a more positive outlook i guess as well yeah yeah and that's really it's a really good point i think it's something that a lot of artists struggle with to be honest um, yeah especially if for instance like their sales aren't good or you know they or especially if they see i think if particularly a lot of older artists and i don't want to seem like ageist or disrespectful but I think a lot of older artists sometimes feel a bit threatened or a bit uncertain of themselves when they see younger artists getting a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody who's like 20-something fresh out of college has, you know, just got their very first solo show, yet as an artist who may be in their 50s has been slugging away at art for the last 30 years and never yeah. had any of that success, I think it can be quite hard. Um, Absolutely. But at, same, but, but at the same time, I always feel like you have to remember and every artist has to remember that everybody's journey is so different yeah like that's like somebody else's success is great and you should celebrate it but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what your life has in store for you that's not what your journey necessarily is and i'm i'm grateful that you know i didn't get famous when i was 20 i'd, I'd be dead for sure hmm. um yeah no doubt but, um but yeah i i feel like i'm i'm more complete of a person and because of that i'm more complete of an artist now that i'm 30 that i've gone through some things Absolutely. I think that's a great way to be because it's like you're content and for well, probably for the most part, you're content with the situation situation you're in. And I think that's a great place to be in life. Right. And this is, you know, this was the goal, you know, like I might not be the richest guy in the world, but like to live my days making art and living off my creativity and, and just being able to do that all day, like what I need to do to be happy. And I don't need to be on a yacht or live in a mansion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm fulfilled, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like most people who create art that I know of or that I speak to that I, or just, I just typically know is the idea of being rich and famous and having a yacht and a mansion is not their end goal. Their end goal is to create. 
is to be able to sustain themselves and their life on creating work that they're passionate about. Right. Yeah, I, I saw this good quote by, uh, you know, Jerry Saltz. Yes. The art critic, he was like, behind every overnight success is decades of work. And I, and mm. I think that lost on a lot of young artists, mm. you know. Absolutely. Because like you, you want to be a rock star, but are you willing to labor in obscurity for 40 years? And you need to ask yourself that, you know. And sometimes I feel like obscurity can be the best thing for you to grow because you don't know what you want to do straight away. You don't have any idea who you are straight away. You don't know. Sometimes you're not ready for the work you're creating yourself. And sometimes other people aren't ready for that work. And sometimes, as we said earlier, like having success too early can very much be a burden because it's like, well, where do you go? You know, right. you don't you don't want to be like, you know, right at the gates, have every, you know, every show into the sun and then fade into obscurity and never be able to see your work again. You want to be able to like have maybe not the best, most lucrative careers, but a career that lasts for decades. You know, you're not here for a short time. You're here for a long time. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of countries, they don't, they don't Mm. see it as a career and that's the issue. Mm. Like Mm. it's there, you're, you make it or you don't. And, or it's like, but the truth is, it's just this goal that you slowly work towards for, for years and years and years. Yeah it grows and you, you're not going to know what it's going to look like in years, you know, you yeah. just keep. Putting- yeah, that's so true. I think it's particularly new artists. I think they forget that particularly when the, you know, the dawn of social media, like you're not going to be famous overnight. And if you are, it might not be the best thing for you. Um, right. But at the same time, like, I think you're right. As long as you remember it's a lifelong career and you're satisfied with what you're creating and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're able to sustain yourself, whether that's with a part-time job or not. I think that's good enough at the end of the day. That you don't have to be full-time artist. You don't have to be making, you know, millions from your work. As long as you are happy and you have all, you know, all your bills and stuff paid, you know, everything else is a luxury at the end of the day. Right. And I, I think, uh, you know, social media is often very misleading about that point because, you know, it's, it's the difference between attention and legacy. And oh, I think yeah. you get... You, you can get millions and millions of views overnight and, and you think your life's going to change, but then the world just kind of moves on from you. Like, you know, any of these like flavor of the month, people like the Island boys, like the world is <laughs> just yeah. it would be this cool little thing that you did. It, there wasn't much content there, you know? Hmm. So I think you should focus uh, one artist. He, he, I was talking to, he had a, a really good point. He said, um, don't rush to be seen take your time to be remembered oh and that's good that i think it's great it's also really true actually what are your thoughts on social media and how has it impacted your practice like especially reddit of all places yeah yeah it's it's critical it's entirely critical if you want to live off your work it's you just need to put it in front of as many people as you can um as long as you don't let it you know devolve because of that reflection, like I know, I know a lot of artists that you know they're better influencers than artists, hmm. but I think that can lead to a like a hollow, a hollow feeling inside of you as an artist. So I've always struggled to maintain, you know, my own style, even even at my own detriment. I think sometimes, but uh, yeah, Red, I first blew up on Reddit and and that was huge for me. Um, but another thing about going viral is, um, <laughs> it, 
it can be cold, you know, like you can have millions of views overnight and then you think everything in your life is going to change. And then it just goes back to the same old, same old next week. Mm-hmm. So like it, it can be very destabilizing mentally to artists yes. and for myself, for sure. Like, you know, you have one viral post a month and you're like, Oh, everything's going to change. I'm not going to have to worry about rent anymore. And then the next you know, four weeks, it's all back to normal. But no, I think it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge tool that people should use and um, they should not be afraid to put themselves out there. I think also the problem with going viral, now you just said that, is that like you have to sustain that. Then you put pressure on yourself to have to sustain that. And you're like, okay, what, what I'm going to do next is going to go viral. Or it becomes right. almost like um, a hamster wheel of like having to always try to create the next biggest, better thing that's going to make your work even better than it was last time. Yeah, and that's that's something I struggle with, with just needing to produce content. Yeah. Yeah, and actually that's the question I wanted to ask you. I don't know if I put it on here, but like, is there a difference between being an artist and being a content creator? Um, no, because I, I think they they pull from that same source that is inside all people. It's just it's just creativity. And I think I think art manifests in far more things than just, you know paint on on canvas um it can manifest in any single thing even just the way you live your life it can be creative um i think so the my issue with with ai is that my same issue with social media algorithms is that people are changing their behavior to appease this algorithm so that's where the authenticity is lost and it's and it's like you're just following trends but you haven't created any and as an artist, you should be trying to create some instead of just mimicking them. And it's like you're now the hamster hitting the button for a little dopamine hit. Um, so, yeah, I think algorithm chasing is dangerous for sure as an artist. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But I also feel like a lot of people feel pressured into being like, oh, I need to you know, dance with my images or I need to like, you know, use this trending audio or whatever. When it's like, actually, you could easily create as an artist some trending audio or like yeah. for me personally i love seeing reels from artists that talk about their work as opposed to like because i love seeing people's work but i love knowing about the work itself like showing me an image yeah. of your work is great it's cool but i personally just me as a, an adult i want to know about the work that's why i'm here i'm not here just to look at beautiful images i'm here to look know about what you're creating and for right. me like i feel like personally for me and the content that i really like that i've really engaged with is when I see like an artist talk about themselves and their work and how they created the work or why they created the work or what the work means. And I feel like we just don't really see a lot of that. I just say a lot of, oh, this is a trending audio. Let's stick this on a, a, yeah. a slideshow of my images. And you know? I do that. I literally do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I can I can talk smack right now, but like I currently have a trending audio slideshow of images going viral on TikTok as we speak. So like... <laughs> The it, thing. It, it's, a, it's a dynamic inside of myself that is always struggling it's doing the cringy things because i need to like the thing is like i don't want to hate on it because i'm not part of that world as of yet um and it's not something that i personally ever feel the pressure or the need to do like i'm happy to if nobody listens to the podcast ever i'm fine with that i get enough enjoyment out of doing it i get to talk to cool people it's fine for me mm-hmm. but at the same time I also understand like you play to the algorithm because you know you want to be seen you want people to understand your work and, and get to know you and then from there 
hopefully the right kind of people will buy a piece or they'll inquire further. It's like social media is just the surface. Social media is the tip of the iceberg. And yeah. you want pe- but but you want your followers and the viewers to really get to the bottom of the iceberg. I think that's a yeah. problem people forget. Like social media is not everything. Social media yeah. is just uh, the leading line to like sales or to your website or to the actual artist you as a person. And I think Absolutely. the problem the problem I see with a lot of artists personally and a lot of people I I talk to is that they don't want to put themselves out there. They just want to put their work out there. But the problem is that we live in a society where you are part of your work. Your work is part of you. You have to put yourself out there if you want people to interact. Because we need a face behind the name, behind the images. And is that something yeah. you've ever struggled with yourself? Yeah, definitely. Because I I am a shy person. I'm an introverted person. Um, I I can't look at myself and and talk. Like I'm struggling right now on Zoom. Oh. It's <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's something that I've, I've really struggled with. Um, What's interesting is I, so I got so much success from Reddit that like Reddit, the company itself started reaching out to me with these these programs and one of the programs, it was shut down, but it was because they, you know, lost some employees, but I was selected to be among 50 content creators that was uh, there. It was, it was like influencer school. It was, it was very, very interesting. Um, they selected these five people from Reddit because they're internally, they were like, we don't have, you know, influencers like Instagram or TikTok have. So we're going to find these creative people. And then we're going to have like this six week course where we teach them on how to oh. emulate, you know, viral trends and, and things. And uh, a lot of the homework they were giving us, I really didn't want to do because I was like, I, I'm just not comfortable with some of the stuff, you know, like, hmm this isn't, this isn't my authentic self. Um, but it was, it was helpful um, in a lot of ways, but yeah, there are people who, who dedicate their life to study these trends. Um, but it's like the dynamic of action without analysis, you know, sometimes you can do something just because you can do it, but you should maybe consider why you're doing it. Okay. Absolutely. I think, that's also part of the problem with art being so accessible sometimes. You can't gatekeep it, but the problem is that people can just throw really cool images that they've created, you know, within two minutes without thinking about it online. And yeah. it could possibly go viral and it could possibly make them a career. Whereas then you have yeah. artists who who have sat down and really kind of analyze themselves and have something they actually want to say with their work, never be discovered. Yeah. Right. That's the majority of them. Hmm. Uh, that's just, that's uh, the the hardest thing about pursuing a career in art is like you just keep going when you see people that are better than you, you know, yeah. lose faith and give up. And I think a lot of people, you know, they just fall into obscurity because that's life, but they're still artists and they're, and they're still mm. genuine. Like some of my favorite artists in the world, they're not, they're not big names. They're, they're people I know personally and whose yeah. work, inspires me and their life connected to the work inspires me and uh one person in particular who i think struggles with putting herself out there is is my aunt my aunt Joni ricardi i'm giving her a shout out um she's like one of the best artists i've ever met in my entire life when i was six years old she brought me to new york city and showed me you know all these these galleries and it, it completely blew me away and i think it is the reason i'm an artist and 
her work is just astounding, but she, she just won't put herself out there, you know? But why though? I think it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I just yell at her every time I, I see her because she doesn't, <laughs> there's really no, there's no logical reason for why she should hide that art from the world. It's maybe it's she's actually just scared of the success, the potential success. Maybe. Cause uh, like she literally hangs out with, with famous artists. Like she, she knows them. Like they, they look at her work and they yell at her too. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> I, feel, I think that's, that's kind of like the biggest shame because it's not about, being famous and it's not about having the most followers it's, it's just about sharing your life with the world yeah for the most part it's not even about wanting to be known it's it's just about like you know the community that comes from art and it's about the conversation that comes from art more than you know the um the shallow factors of like numbers and whatever i think that's yeah like having done this for a long time or at least a, a decent amount of time, enough enough of the time. Like the one thing that I value is the conversation around art. Like people just need to talk a bit more. Like art isn't just there just to be viewed and admired. It's also there to be spoken about. It's also there. Like every piece of art means something. And every piece of art, you know, there's a conversation behind every piece of art. And I think the problem I, I have with a lot of society nowadays is that that's not really explored or it's not really um, considered by a lot of people. They just look at an image and be like, oh, this is nice. This is not this is worth liking, this is not. And it's like, yeah. but there's so much more to a piece of art. And it's like, if your aunt doesn't want to put her work out into the world, fair enough, that's her decision. But like, imagine the lives she could change just from, yeah. people, for just from people seeing her work. And that probably sounds dramatic, but it's really not. Like, no. the amount that art can change somebody's life or the amount that a single image can impact somebody. Like, everybody's been inspired from somewhere. And if the person that you were inspired by hadn't created that work and put it out there, you never would have inspired yourself. So I think it's a great thing that um, she, it's a great thing that she wants to keep it for herself. So there's a beauty in that also. But I think it would be great if she kind of just let go of her inhibitions and just kind of put it out into the world and, you know, try it for three months, six months, see how it feels. If it doesn't feel right, then bring it back in. Simple as. It doesn't Absolutely. have to be a permanent thing. It doesn't have to be forever. You know? Um, yeah. And my, my entire approach to art is because of, you know, reverberations. Like hmm. I, oh, like, like what you said, like you don't, you don't know how one piece of art is going to affect someone, but they do. And they continue to affect them for the rest Absolutely. of their life. And, um, like my, my, my art is, I like to create these objects that generate, all and inspiration every day, you know, yeah. and the more of those objects that I put into the world, the more I'm generating this awe and inspiration. And when someone takes awe and inspiration into their life, like it, it carries through their life, it changes their day, it affects them. And it, it can spark ideas that, you know, then have countless reverberations in themselves. So it is my way of, you know, trying to use my life to impact the world. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's such a great way to put it. Such a way to think about it as well, because it means that you're doing something that has a purpose to you. And I think that's important because I think a lot of people will tell you that art isn't purposeful. There's no value in it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Cause people, they equate, you know, money to, hmm. to value. And yeah. 
And that's not always the case. I feel like, as yeah. I said earlier, that's not always the case at all. I think it's important to do something that you don't make money off just for pure yeah. enjoyment because like, why would you not want to? You know, it. I don't know. It's, I think it's a, such a shame that we live in a, such a commercial society where like, and even conversations I have with work colleagues, when I tell them I have a podcast, and they're like, oh, how much money do you make? And I say, I don't make all that much money. They're like, well, why do you do it then? And it's like, because it's the time you spend doing something that you enjoy, you know? It means, that, you know, it's a purpose. It's a reason for me to, to really kind of get to know people and to kind of sit down and, you know, it, it, it does more for me than it will do for anybody else. And that's the whole point. You know, right. same as creativity, it does more for the person creating than anybody else. Otherwise, you wouldn't be creating it. Right. Absolutely. So I also want to get into asking you about exhibiting because you've had a, a pretty prolific kind of <laughs> exhibiting career so far, which is pretty extraordinary, actually, considering you've only been asked for full time for three years. That's pretty cool. So like, what, like, how did you get into exhibiting work and kind of like, oh. Where did the kind of um, impetus for this come from? Um, just aggressive self-promotion. Um, mm. Google. I would just Google every single gallery near me, every head shop, every tattoo parlor, like anywhere that would let me put my art up. I would reach out to them. And no matter how small, no matter how big, I would reach out. Like, you know, I'll reach out to, I've probably emailed the Guggenheim. And the same day mm. I've emailed like a, a tattoo parlor and, Albany, New York. Like I, I, I will. I'm very aggressive with it, um, and I've introduced myself to as many people as I can, like in the art world. And even if they say no off the bat, like my name is now in their ears, and hmm. a lot of them will reach out later on and be like, "Hey, I have this opening. You, you still into into this?" So I actually have a, an art show tonight. It's an art fair in DC. Okay. Uh, I have a wall that I've. I've done and then I put up uh some pieces in a record store last night oh wow that's a, so also that's interesting because the environments in which you work are seen are so different so it yeah. was, like I wonder does it ever affect like the viewing or the reading of your work if it's in a different environment probably um if people did the math or did the the investigation like if if I just show you my resume it looks pretty impressive, but like not all of these places are, you know, white wall yeah. situations. They're, you know, basements and back hmm. alleys and stuff, but like it's still a gallery and it's still a place where people come in and, and just to look at art. And it's a it's, really good point, though, because it doesn't need to be white walls. Like a no. gallery space isn't just white walls. This gallery space can be literally anywhere that you can hang your work up. Yeah. And it led to white walls. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't always have to, it doesn't always have to, at least at the start, I guess, even even not, but it doesn't always have to be an official white wall gallery space setting with, you know, an opening reception. It could be, and in fact, it might be a lot more fun, a lot more kind of interesting if it wasn't. Because, yeah. you know, as I said earlier, like the way in which your work is read is going to be changed by the environment it's in. And it's like, if your work is, you know, really busy, having like how would having your work in a really busy environment affect the reading as opposed to like white walls? To be fair, like a white wall gallery would probably be like the best way to view your work because it is so busy. But then it's mm -hmm. also like, how would other busier environments then take away or add to the work itself? Like how would like background noise off a city street add to the images themselves? Or how would yeah. like, you know, having your work in the back room of a electronic store where TVs are on affect the work? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it does. Uh, it does. Um, I, I actually, I just wanted to point out, uh, I'm having... Another 
participant in this art show is another guest of yours, Sarah Jameson. Ah, Sarah, so the, the lovely two, Sarah Jameson. Two guests will be in the same show tonight. That's so cool. Sarah, her work is gorgeous. And just, She's incredible. Again, and again, like your work, it's so detailed that I worry, do people, people understand the time and effort that's gone into it? Because it's not just, oh, this is yeah. a nice image. Because her work is very, like, pretty. Mm-hmm. It's, I personally, for me, I'd hate for people to gloss over any art that just does it pretty when actually it's like highly damn detailed and it's taken ages and it's a skill. Um, yeah. But her work is gorgeous as well. And also it's, the size of it, it's just brilliant because it's quite small and you're like, wow, yeah. that amount of detail in such a small space is incredible. There's um, that. So actually, um, I had been a full-time artist for six months but when I met her. And um, up until that point, I was the first full-time artist I had ever known. Wow. And so just like, just, just knowing that, they exist in the wild oh, yeah. like, this is incredible like i was so excited to meet her and yeah. talk to her about it and also she's lovely in terms of like <laughs> she'll talk to you and i i, I yeah, have so much respect cool. for artists who actually want to talk because a lot a lot of artists are quite secretive and um, especially yeah. if they're full-time or they're they'll like it's like a lot of the kind of influencer artists that i see who have like oh you know they're like uh you know buy my workshop or buy my um yeah. the word? <laughs> buy my class or buy my you know or pay to the first yeah. class and i'll teach you how to create art and it's like yeah but i'm not saying you should give all your secrets away for free because you know you have to make money i respect the hustle but it's kind of like should you be monetizing that you're creating work i there's something about it for me personally that i don't yeah. always see eye to eye with that but then the other artists that i look at and i'm like you need to be teaching people how to do what you do if you want to because your work is so damn incredible you should be paid for it so it, right. i guess it's kind of you know swings and roundabouts but um, I don't know. For me, I think the whole education, the whole artist turned education or to artist turned teacher, I don't know how I feel about it fully. I'm always a bit dubious, if I'm honest. But then again, you know, people have skills and talents. Why would you not want to monetize them, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of lot of hustles in the art world, for sure. There's a lot. Hmm. But so, what were you going to so, say? I was going to say, no, I was going to say, do you have any advice for people who might be looking to exhibit their work? Uh, you mean pursuing art? Yes, or to no, pursuing to exhibit their work. So there are people who want to exhibit their oh, work. To exhibit, to exhibit. Yeah. Yes. Just reach out. Just reach out to people. Cold call them, cold email them, message them on Instagram. You can't, you can't have shame because like, you need to to ask yourself, like, are you going to feel worse if this person is annoyed with you and kind of like, a little snarky or are you going to feel worse you know just regretting that you never went for it and hmm. you're always going to feel worse reg- regretting that you never went for it and like some of these people who are like back in the day when i reached out to them they were like okay skippy like calm down like i'll think about it and like a couple years later they reach out to me and they're like hey are you still interested and it's like okay you know it worked you know like, yeah absolutely maybe it was, absolutely. i was a little annoying at first but you know that's all i wanted was an opportunity to put my art on the wall that's true and also the worst thing they do is say no worst thing they're gonna do you know yeah, nothing they're gonna just not they're not gonna respond to my yeah. instagram message yeah <laughs> and then your life is gonna be exactly the same as it was before you sent the message so you have nothing to lose at the end of the day right and same thing with social media like you're gonna get nasty comments and like are those the deterrent that are going to keep you from your purpose and what you want to do with your life like no just ignore them 
Yeah, that's so true as well. Because I think that's the thing as well. I think maybe we don't talk about it often enough, but you know, social media can also be uh, quite a harsh place. And I feel like yeah. as an artist who's constantly evolving or whose work is always changing, or just as a person the way you're always changing, like it, it's hard because you're your you know you're your worst you're your own worst critic. But to have mm-hmm. other people amplify that for you can be quite soul destroying. But at the same time, you're right. You have to also be like, well, actually, I'm doing this for a reason. And kind of stick to that, you yeah. Because most of the people who don't, who aren't in the art field, who leave such messages of like, you know, oh, this is an art or whatever, and it's like, well, actually, you know, they don't have your perspective of life to really be able to say that with full clarity. Right. I just I've gotten to the point where I allocate zero brain space for it. I just <laughs> the best thing. To I do. just the sooner I forget them, the better, so I don't engage in any nasty comments. Hmm. Yeah, and particularly like when it comes to like, you know, you forget. So I say it. I will forget. That's the thing. Is like yeah. I could be mad for a day, or I could just forget a day quicker. Yeah, and just get on with getting on with you know burning up your legacy and moving on to the next thing you've you've got to do because you're busy because you've got things to do. You know exactly. That's exactly. the thing. Like if you're you know, as an artist especially, you're always working. So rather than focus your you know your energy on something negative that someone said, just focus it on being positive and working towards the dream because that's the thing that's going to get you there at the end yeah. of the day, which is sometimes easier said than done, but that's true though. The thing that's going to get you there is your own work and your own ethic mm-hmm. and your own heart, you know, your own, uh, you know, energy. Really. It's a marathon. Yeah. It's very much is. And I think people forget that really easily. They think, oh no, it's good. You know, and I think the thing that I find really hard to hear or to hard to talk to us about is that when you can tell they're not doing well because they're not having sales and they feel very like, they're feeling down about their own work and it's it's hard because I know some damn great artists who deserve success, but the numbers just aren't there or the engagement's not there. Yeah. And it, it's it can be hard because it's it's hard to try to tell people like that your time will come. You just have to wait, you have to be patient, you have to work. Because then yeah. you can see them working hard enough, but it's also like it's you have to remember like people need encouragement and it's true. You have to just Patience is such a huge part of it. It's not. It's not all about creating. It's also about patience and about marketing and about working towards the goal, not trying to achieve the goal. Yes, absolutely. And developing the skill to weather the harsh weather. Yes. You know? And also, I think I also feel like with a lot of artists, like not jumping into full art, like being a full time artist too soon. I think a lot of people are in a rush to want to be full art, full time artist straight away off the bat, and it's like. Yeah. Have yourself, like personally for me, just from my knowledge of the people I speak to, is like have yourself enough of, you know, enough savings or enough of a nest egg that you can actually afford to do art full time first before trying it. So I feel like a lot of artists I know have just jumped straight ahead and quit their jobs and be, and and they're like, I'm going to make it, and it's like that's yeah. just not the reality. Particularly nowadays with social media, it's not just reality. Maybe five, ten years ago it would have been different, but now it's not the same reality. You can't. Mm-hmm just make money straight away like that you're unless you're you know jeff coons or whatever but even right. he started from somewhere you know so exactly. i you know i think the biggest advice i give to a lot of artists is that like being a full-time artist is everybody's dream is what you love to do you love to be able to live and just create art which is also not just what you do but it's like you don't always have to do that that's not the only road you know you can have a part-time job and still create art granted it won't yeah. be the same but you know it might be easier on you yeah 
and it's you know it's a business so it's like you yeah. wouldn't open a coffee shop without enough money to buy coffee yeah so exactly. if you, you need to take these considerations in before you take the leap exactly i, I just know quite a lot of artists actually who on social media and on the surface, they look like they're doing fantastic. They look like they're, you know, really killing it and they're, you know, really quite, quite successful. But, you know, because I'm friends with people like behind the scenes, yeah, they're good. They're great. They're doing well, but they're not doing that great. You know, finances are not always there. And, you know, there's a lot of stress and stress and pressure. And uh, yeah, it takes me. Oh, there you go. It takes, and it, but it takes somebody very kind of strong not to break under that pressure because, yeah. you know, social media is very illusionary everybody's doing well when actually mm-hmm. I'd say maybe like 3% if you're lucky are people are actually doing well. And right. also I think actually not really, I think because the people who are doing well aren't even on social media because they're enjoying their lives, you know? So I kind of feel like it's very illusionary to me. Um, it's something that I try to be very mindful of when I'm online and you see right. people doing really well and you see people, you know, having a lot of fun. It's like, Hmm, are you really? Uh, and maybe that's just moving very like, hmm. <laughs> that's suspicious. <laughs> no, it's true though, because with artists like we also have to fake it till we make it and mm, uh, of course you know like you don't want these white wall galleries to know that you haven't sold the original in months like mm. it's so yeah i i definitely do commit a little bit of that like i i can have a million shows lined up but if i'm not i'm not selling anything at these shows i'm not going to advertise that you know of course absolutely and i think it's it's kind of a shame because even these galleries are aware of the state of the world they're aware yeah. that it's not as easy for artists just to sell work like that. It doesn't, it doesn't work in the same way anymore like it did five, ten years ago. So it's like, it's a shame that there is a pressure there to be like that because it can be quite damaging, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. So what has creating art taught you about yourself? That's a very good question. Um, there's aspects of myself that I definitely am not aware of during you know, the regular waking hours um, that I am able to plumb forward from the depths when I'm making art, like certain, certain feelings, certain beliefs. Um, and I think only through the act of going internal for dozens of hours, am I able to figure these things out about myself. And, uh, and, and, Making art is, for me, is this very personal, you know, exploration. And it's this inward place that you go. And there's all sorts of things to discover down there. That's so cool. It's interesting, though, because it's like you don't often think about, like, what your work teaches you just because you're creating it. You're very busy creating it. You know, you don't necessarily think about yourself through your work and how you've seen through your work. so I should ask that question because it's cool. Um, it's cool, so I, cool question, yeah. I've got a, I have a question for you from the last artist I interviewed. It's changed since I sent you the interview notes because I've interviewed people since then. Um, an artist called Jenny Lloyd, a really cool collage artist. I've just finished editing her interview, actually. I'm about to render it. I'm going to render it after this, which is perfect. So I'll probably have this done, hopefully. I'm hoping tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but her question for you is, it's a kind of a two-part question. Um, is are you a person who has a million different ideas and if so how do you choose one idea to pursue if not how does that hyper focus benefit you yeah so i am the kind of person with a million 
million ideas, but when I when I select one, I go all in and I I dedicate my hyper focus into that and I just cut out those old ideas hmm. um, because at that point in that stage of development they are nothing but baggage. So hmm. like I would like to just drill myself forward in that particular direction that I've selected. But how do you choose a uh, an idea? I mean, there's, you know, logic, but a huge part of my process is just intuition. It's just mm. a gut feeling, a gut instinct. And I'll just go, I'll go with that. I've made major life decisions on gut instincts. Um, yeah. like, do you ever keep like a sketchbook or kind of um, like words or phrases or topics of, of particular interest to you that, I can, that you want to create whack about? Uh, I don't keep sketchbooks, but I do have just like scattered notes around mm, yeah. little scraps of paper. I'll I'll just write an interesting idea and then mm. keep them around. Usually, I lose them before I use them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I kind of feel like you'd be the kind of artist who doesn't keep a sketchbook, but also does generate a lot of ideas. But also, you want to save the ideas, but also. It's interesting because you're also, I imagine the artist that actually doesn't mind losing ideas because you're going to have plenty more and you're right. always inspired to create something. No, like an image you've created, you know, today is going to impact, you know, the next 10 images you create and they're going to impact the next 10. So it's like you'll never run out of ideas because your work is so complex and it's, mm. you know, a natural progression from where you've started. So it's kind of really exciting. I always start with a blank mind too. I never, I never know what I'm going to make until uh -huh. I'm so that is another thing that helps me. I, it's, I discover what the piece is about as I'm making it. Oh, that's nice because it's like, you surprise yourself then. Yeah. So that's, I think part of the reason that allows me to stay hyper-focused on it is because it is a discovery. And the longer I work on it, the more I, I uncover. Yeah. Because a lot of time to dedicate to one image or just to anything, you know? Yeah. You know, so like it has to have, value to you as a person creating it just through the, the amount of time you're spending on it exactly yeah and actually although this is not where i wanted this question to be in this conversation but how do you choose a pricing for your work then because your work takes such a long time to create um it's hours times my feelings toward it hmm. not everything that i've put a million hours into is my going to be the highest priced thing um but some 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 pieces just have this like current that run through it that it it just grips me so those are the pieces that i i cherish so how do you try and i forgot to ask this question earlier but how do you make the your work affordable for everybody or do you prefer for your work to only be affordable to certain people um i try to hit different price points um because i think it's critical for when you start as an artist to be able to be affordable by your friends and family and yeah. so i'm big on t-shirts um I, i'll always sell t-shirts just because you know every human being on the planet owns a t-shirt and uh i try to keep them affordable um i sell prints um but my originals are you know they're rare so i i do yeah. price them out and like each piece is like a week or two of labor so i need to fact yeah. factor that yeah, and also the originals, you know, they're not going to be replicated. You're, you're paying exactly. for that exclusivity. That's the whole reason you're paying a lot more money. 
But that's really cool. Yeah. That's really interesting, actually. I think that's a great way to view your work, particularly keeping it affordable in like T-shirts and stuff, because the cool thing about your work is that there are so many different aspects in which you can lead into, like, you know, like wallpaper or gift wrap or like different things if you wanted to go into that. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you do or don't is your own, you know, your own feelings. But it's kind of interesting that sometimes the commercialization of your work isn't actually a bad thing if the work can lend itself well to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, it just it also just helps grow your name very simply. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. each, each thing you put out there, you know, it's brand recognition um there's a you can find weed jars in new york and vermont with my art on it you can find coffee with my art on it in new york that's cool Um, that's really cool yeah yeah because it makes me kind of think about like like how you display your work in a gallery in like a different way or like it'd be really cool to walk into a white gallery setting and all of the walls are just your work like that'd be really cool like something like that would be great or I don't know it's just really interesting because your work is so detailed you need somewhere i would say you need somewhere like big to show it but then it's like how do you fill that space with the work you know because mm-hmm. it might not just be necessarily on the wall itself it could be you know interactive in some kind of way it could be you know within the room itself i don't know um, there's, there's there's a lot did of you see my wallpaper i have not seen your wallpaper no yeah yeah it's something I, i've been doing since my art's so small and detailed i yeah i figured out a, a method to create um to turn my ink into wallpaper that doesn't repeat and so yeah i've done a couple installations where it's the entire floor oh, that's wall. beautiful that's so i beautiful. actually uh, in my corner i just bought 480 square feet of of it um i had a few venues lined up but they fell through so oh. i've been desperately trying to seek someone because i spent way too much money on this but i'm <laughs> just I really I love doing installations because you know it's it's a full experience for people. But what could be a really interesting idea, uh, just throwing it out there, is that if you cut that wallpaper into like A4, A5, A3 pieces of like paper, quote unquote paper, and then gave them to artists to use as a base for their own work and create like a collaborative project, that could be interesting. Like yeah, something like that. That could be or interesting. Like, or how you can repurpose that for like you know something else or something different like maybe you want to cut up and recreate the work in a more of a collage idea or, or like maybe it might give you the uh, ability to create with a different medium or in a different style or with something slightly different or maybe like you know more three-dimensional or something like that you know maybe yeah. you know i uh i actually I've, I've reached out to a few places i've been trying to convince the city of dc to let me do uh bus wraps like you know public wow. buses that wraps. is so um, good garbage trucks or rubbish trucks um and uh yeah there was reaching out to this one some artists and i know in dc do this they they sell their designs to this like car club so these sports car guys they'll they'll wrap their cars and in the art and then i i'm the kind of artist that like i'll do things just because they're cool and i'll always lose money on it um but (laughs) yeah i just it's just something i want to see you know because if you, because granted, if you can afford to lose money, great in the sense of like, that's cool. It's not a bad thing to do, but it's also like the experience and exposure you could get from it. Or like just the experience of it and the fact yeah. that it exists in the world, that is really cool. And it also, you, as we said earlier, you don't know who's going to see that or, where, or what you're going to gain from that. There is an exactly. artist that I interviewed years ago, interview number three, Tom Loner, 
who is an incredible example of this. Like he's the kind of artist who has his work on the side of trains, embedded into mm-hmm. tables. He does a lot of like brand promotion for like alcoholic drinks and stuff. I sent you mm-hmm. his a link to his work. He'd be somebody that I'd advise you to reach out to because he's very personal. He's very extroverted. He's really, yeah. really, really, really good at finding the balance between creating really cool, amazing, stylistic work, but also very brandable and also very commercial work. Um, right. I think he's a kind of artist that I feel like everybody should be uh, keeping an eye on just purely for like just the amount of stuff he's done. That's just incredible. And every single time I see, I look at his work again or I visit his Instagram, he's just doing something else that's amazing. And you're just like, how? How are you getting all of this kind of exposure and all of these interesting opportunities? This because it's hard work because, you know, he's put the effort in and he has a family. So it's like even more respect. Like you're not just by yourself. It's like you're also supporting people doing this. It's quite insane. But yeah, um, I'll awesome. send you a link to his work. Uh, somebody I would Thank highly you. recommend you to talk to. Because I feel like no, actually, I feel like that's exactly what you need is just like that work, like a little bit more kind of like national worldwide exposure for like bigger, better, interesting you know, commercial projects that Bruno, your work could really yeah. lend well into. I think that'd be such a good thing for you. Um, but yeah, I'll send you, I'll send it to you after this. Um, Cause I'm, I also like, I don't think it, it cheapens the art. Like, I know a lot of artists might have some qualms about putting their art on merchandise, but like if I sell, you know, a beer can with my art on it and someone has an intimate moment, you know, staring at it, like to me, that's still a success. That's, oh, that's yeah. as, that is walking into a gallery and seeing the same exact image on the wall. Like, I don't think it, it lessens it. I think also in this society, you need to have different streams of revenue as an artist. You can't just focus on, oh, I'm just going to sell prints because if people aren't buying it, then what are you going to do? Absolutely. You know, diversifying your work and diversifying your, the client base and your audience is extremely important. Um, 100%. But you know, that's just, you know, some artists don't want to do that though. And I can understand that. But it's also like, then be prepared to really push your work and push your prints onto people, you know? Yeah. So do you have a question for the next artist I interview? The question I have for the next artist is, what do they perceive the reverberations of their art to be? Oh. And how it would shape the world in in a hundred years. How will it shape? How will it shape the world? Yeah, it shape the world. How will it shape the world in a hundred years? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a really good question. Right. So, I had a conversation with a really good artist friend called Brian Dean Haas, and we're talking about the idea of skill and personality in art. And as an artist, like which is more important? So, the question for you is. Which is more important, the skill of the artist or the personality of the artist? I don't. I I might switch swap out personality with character mm-hmm. because okay. I think it it requires a lot of character that you know is built you know intentionally throughout your life to be a success as an artist. Even if you're the most skilled person in the world, if if you crumble at the first you know adversity you face you know your your talent doesn't matter for much hmm. um so i i think i would say character fair enough and that's a that's a, it's a great answer as well actually because you're right like the problem is it's a tricky question i think because it's like they kind of go hand in hand and you kind of need a bit of both or you need well, nowadays you kind of need maybe more personality but 
you're right in terms of like, well, actually, you need to know who you are, or you need to be able to at least, you know, weather anything that's going to come your way before you can actually create the work. You know, you need to be that have that kind of strength within yourself to be able to right. to to not stress and and you know be a you know be afraid that you know the money's not rolling in or whatever. You have to have that determination within yourself first before you can create anything, and then Absolutely. you know you're creating comes next. Yeah, it's a, a good response. So, Thank you. what what does it mean to be a successful artist? To me, it's just living, finding fulfillment in in what you do, um, and what fulfills you can, it can fulfillment can come from anything. But I think for most artists, it's just creating art, having living, having a roof over your head, you know, supportive network of friends and family. And and that's it, you know. I don't I don't think it's maybe you know headlining art basil or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you measure the success of your own work? Um I got a nice apartment, I got a a lovely girlfriend, uh I got a family, nice family, niece and nephews. I'm good. Um yeah. and I'm able to keep you know, living off my creativity and I don't have to hack stumps up in D- Washington, DC for minimum wage anymore. Um, so yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what impact do you hope that your work has? What is the ideal response from the viewer? I want, I want people to look closer at the art and in doing so look closer at a reflection of themselves. And then spend a little time going inward and diving deeper into themselves. Because I think that will impact how they navigate the world. Yeah. See, I love the fact that you're achieving positivity through your work. It's not about anything negative or it's not about, you know, kind of being self-centered. It's about being like, you know, actually just kind of look inward a bit. You know, it might yeah. be quite nice. I like that. And that's that's so valuable, actually, though, I think, to be honest. Because it's not just, you know, shallow and it's not, you know, a glossy exterior of it being like, oh, this is just a really nice image by my talent. It's like, well, actually, you know, let's dive a bit deeper into this. You know, I, I right. think I have a lot of respect for art that does that. Thank you. Yeah, I think so, I think people contain a multitude of contradictions. Hmm. And I think if you spend a little bit more time reflecting on who you are, then you can look at the world with a little bit more compassion and grace and, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just figure yourself out first. Absolutely. It's such a such a way to think about the kind of purpose of your work. Because it also means that like when you're creating it, you know where you're creating it. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, frivolous to you. It's like, well, actually, this means something to me, you know, and therefore it will mean something to somebody else. Which I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. What would your younger self think about your work? I think I think he'd be very happy. I think he'd be happy that it it continue to develop because and i also think that he'd be happy that other people took an interest because for the first like you know almost 10 years i was drawing like this it was just for myself and it was only for myself and you know other people started showing my art for me and when it resonated with other people it was hugely validating so i think he would be very happy to know that, you know, millions of people have seen my art and a lot of people have, have resonated with it. And to know that my art exists in like 
13 different countries right now is is, wow. is very exciting yeah and it's a it's a great achievement as well you should be very very proud of it as well because not every artist has that and it's because you've worked hard for it as well thank you yeah i think yeah i think he'd be impressed by the discipline um that i've had to kind of embrace yeah. because he was not a disciplined person yeah do you actually i'm kind of curious like do you think that had you had to start your work let, let's just say you started your career today do you think it would be the same? No. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I think it would be hugely different. Hmm. Hmm. Right, so the final question, double barrel question, is what are you currently working on, and where can people find more about you and your work? Uh, I'm. Will Will this stream be shown? No. It's just the audio. Oh. Okay, I was just going to pick up the drawing that I'm sitting oh, next sorry. to. But, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, I'm I'm always working on originals. I am editing my my novel. Um, I have an art show today in DC. Um, I have a show in Chicago on January second at the Elephant Room Gallery. I'll have some pieces up at. Um, raise contemporary in january in new york city um and i think i have another show in april in washington dc wow. and uh if people want to find me um it's at eric hagan art with underscores in between each word on instagram i have a tiktok somewhere that i forgot the username um and i'm tandizo jerry on reddit that's absolutely perfect. All right, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Norris, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. This was lovely. That concludes my conversation with the artist, Eric Hagan. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email over at thefinefruitbowl at gmail.com. Get in touch via social media sites such as X and Instagram. The Fine Fruit Bowl podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube and Apple Music. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of these platforms to help spread the word. Also, don't forget to check out thefinefruitbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. The Flying Fruit Bar also has a Patreon page for monthly donations. Tears start from £1, and more information can be found over at patreon.com forward slash the Flying Fruit Bar. Additionally, if monthly donations are not your thing, we have a PayPal for one-time donations. All donations go towards the running costs of the website and the podcast. I'll include a link to our PayPal in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Till next time, folks, please stay safe.